First Palm Media. You are listening to Mushing on First Paw Media. Visit our website at mushing.com. Hello, everybody. Today, I am joined by a special guest. Her name is Tekla Butcher Munson, and she is from Fairbanks, Alaska. And we're going to talk about a, a new race that is happening in March. Tekla, how's it going today? It's going super. Uh, I'm so excited to be past solstice, and I'm so excited to be getting into the nitty gritty of race planning. It is a big time winter down here in South Central Alaska. We have about eight feet of snow, so I think it's going to be a great racing season for everybody involved. But before we talk about your, this race, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you're all about, please? Absolutely. So. Um, I am, my name is Tekla and I'm the eldest daughter of, um, four time Iditarod champion, Susan Butcher and Yukon quest champion, Dave Munson. Uh, my parents of course dominated the sport in the 1980s when they were living out in Eureka, Alaska. That's in my opinion, the most beautiful spot in interior Alaska. It's about 150 miles Northwest of Fairbanks. Um, after my, uh, mom's four wins, she continued to run Iditarod for a number of years, but then really wanted to transition into raising a family. Um, so in 95, I was born and I spent my first few years living out in Eureka, Alaska with puppies as my playmates and, you know, only a, one neighbor about 50 miles away. Uh, and then... Uh, when it was time for me to go to school, my parents moved into town and started our tourism business on the banks of the Chena River. Um, so today I am the general manager for our tourism business, Trailbreaker Kennel, um, where we give sled rides in the winter. And in the summer, of course, we work with the cruise ship industry doing larger presentations and our newest uh, product, which is the beer and puppy garden, which is a lot of fun. I am interested in that. Tell us a little bit about the beer and puppy garden. So that was in it. That was something I came up with. We do educational tours um, for folks in the summertime where they get to talk to a musher, they get to pet our dogs. Sometimes we'll do a demonstration for them. Um, but really, everybody's favorite part of that tour is just uh, hanging out with the puppies at the end of the day. Um, and they, uh, what I thought about is like people love hearing the stories, they love a casual, like, just conversation with a musher. How can we make that into a single product? And we came up with the beer garden where there's just mushers roaming around. We serve local um, beers and people just get to cuddle puppies for about an hour and a half. So are you guys involved with the riverboat tours there in Fairbanks? Yeah. So we have been working for the riverboat discovery uh, just about as long as I have been alive. About 30 years ago, when my parents first bought the property on the banks of the Chena River, uh, the riverboat was starting to go up and down and give tours um, of that section of river. And uh, they said, hey, why don't you guys come out onto the bank and wave and hold a puppy? And people were so interested in the dog mushing lifestyle that uh, guests to Alaska started shouting questions out at my parents. And eventually one day the commentator on the boat threw my mom a microphone. She started answering the questions and kind of the rest is history. Um, nowadays we do a presentation for the riverboat discovery tour, and that's about 12 minutes of adrenaline packed dog mushing lifestyle. And it's pretty fun because the boat just gets to pull up to our riverfront. Uh, they use the boat like a big grandstand and we do a presentation for everyone. And it's always a really fun part of the tour. That is such a cool thing. That is one of the things that we have not done since we've moved up here in Alaska in 2010 or so. So definitely on 
the Alaska tourism bucket list for sure. We hope to do that maybe even this summer coming up. So yes. I, I know that you guys are also organizing a race as we started the show today. And of course, the focus for this episode. Tell us a bit about the history of the race, and then we'll jump in with some questions. So the race is called the T-Dog. Um, that's sort of, it evol revolves around the Tanana Valley and of course the Tanana River itself. What I really wanted to do um, as I got back into the mushing uh, community after going to college outside of Alaska was create an accessible um race an event that encouraged mentorship between mushers and of course just encouraged people uh to have a goal at the end of the season and to share their love of the lifestyle so i was out training dogs in eureka and thinking how wonderful this is but how can i you know have a project for myself uh and also have a, a project that brings more people into the eureka community and so I started looking at maps and I started mushing uh, on the old mail trail between Eureka, Manly, Tolvana Roadhouse, uh, Ninana and Fairbanks. And that was super great. And I was like, oh my gosh, this trail is so wonderful. This area is so wonderful. I think this really needs to be a race. But my, my uh, way of entering the world is definitely always fun first, community first. How can we make the process as awesome as possible? So I wanted to put on a race that was kind of geared towards uh, handlers or newcomers in the industry, maybe recreational folks who have a team of Siberians or Malamutes and they don't often get to um, go into the more competitive races. I wanted to make a first step race for them that is inclusive and uh, informative, um, but also in some fun, challenging terrain around the Tanana Valley. So this race is going to be in late March. So after Iditarod, after the quest, after sort of the chaos of the Alaskan mushing scene has calmed down, was that deliberate for picking that date? It was, you know, March is absolutely the most beautiful time in all of Alaska. Everybody loves being outside in March. Um, it is also, of course, a very challenging month. Uh, Iditarod tends to take up the entire month for dog mushers, but I was thinking they're handlers after the dogs get flown home from Iditarod, after the musher has hopefully come home after the banquet and is decompressing, I was thinking the handlers might want to have something to do. And it's a really good experience uh, for people to get out when there's more daylight, when there's more people on the trail, because of course, all of the trail systems are going to be put in and a lot safer that time of year. And you guys have a pretty interesting format. You're doing a multi-sport type race, then of course you're doing a typical mushing event as well. Tell us a little bit about the format. All right, so let's start off with the two multi-sport races. This year, we're gonna be hosting a 50 mile and a 110 mile race. So this is open to basically anybody who doesn't have a motor. Uh, anybody who enjoys winter travel with or without dogs. So we've got skiers, bikers, mushers, everyone in between. Um, so far, the biggest um, signups for our 110 mile race are mushers and ski drawers. So people who've got two to four dogs and are able to have them uh, themselves be trained up to pull on skis for that whole way are going to have an awesome opportunity to go on the same race as the mushers. What I was really noticing uh, as I got more into the multi-sport community is that fat tire bikers and ski drawers really love mushing trails because they know it's going to be the right quality for them. So I was thinking to myself, why not bring all of these sports together, have everybody's community come in, help build the trail, 
and help build up the knowledge of these trails so that we can have more trail users um, on them year round. On the multi-sport uh, uh, segment of this race, you had mentioned fat tire bikers. Are you allowing just the bikers or is this sort of a, a bike drawing type race? It's a bike drawing. It's really anything that you can do with dogs and non-motorized vehicles. So skiers, bikers, bike drawers, ski drawers, and dog mushers are kind of the five sports that we're uh, entering into this race. And you had mentioned that you were doing a 50 and 110 mile uh, race for that. Uh, is that the same course or is it longer for the mushing events, which is uh, the following two days, right? Yeah. So the first race will take place for the multi-sport folks will take place on uh, Saturday, March 23rd. So that'll be from Fairbanks to Ninana. 50 mile folks will finish in Ninana and drive home. Uh, 110 folks will stop, they'll rest their dogs for four hours, and then they'll continue back into Fairbanks another 60 miles. So we expect the um, 110 mile finishers to be coming in around midnight on Saturday the 23rd. Then on Saturday, on Sunday the 24th, we start the mushing only race. So we've got a cap of 20 mushers for this race. It's my first year introducing um, dog mushers into the checkpoints of Ninana and um and minto so we want to make sure that it's uh it's a success this first year and we already have a full list of mushers for those 20 slots um for the mushing only race it is going to be uh, a little bit of a different format because the first 100 miles do not count into your finishing time so what does this mean uh it means that the mushers have 21 hours in which to get from the starting um, area in Fairbanks on Goldstream Road all the way out to Minto. This is a self-supported leg of the race. So they have to pack their own straw if they can't plan to stop and camp their dogs. They have to pack their own fuel to boil down snow into water. Um, they have to be prepared to support themselves for those first hundred miles. However, 21 hours is a pretty reasonable amount of time um, for a dog team going about uh, eight to 10 miles an hour to make it out to Minto. They could run 50 miles, camp for four hours, run another 50 miles, and still have six to seven hours for an overnight in Minto. Uh, some folks may choose to um, do the bare minimum. They might choose to run 100 miles straight uh, and then rest for four or five hours in Minto. Once they do get to Minto, they, they are going to be required to um, check in with the race and prepare for the restart. The restart of the race is going to be at 8 a.m. on Monday, March 25th. That start is uh, hopefully going to be a bit of a fun start, maybe a sourdough start where the folks are in their sleeping bags. They've got their boots off and they have to jump out of their sleeping bags, pack their sled, put the booties on their dogs and take off, see who can go first. So I'm hoping that all the dogs will be ready and excited for a mass start. But of course, they will all have run uh, 100 miles the 21 hours prior. And then after Minto, where are they going and where are they coming back to? So after Mint, the Minto restart at 8 a.m., it's more of a traditional race. They're going to run 50 miles to the checkpoint of Ninana. They'll rest for four hours there, and then they'll continue 50 miles back into Fairbanks. Oh, okay. Gotcha. So then it becomes that that full loop to, uh, exactly. to, to finish there in Fairbanks. I really like that format about, uh, hey, you guys got to get here one way or the other for the restart. And it's it's interesting that it's far enough out where, you know, it's not necessarily 
um, accessible for obviously by road and all of that. So it's it's truly a challenge that you don't typically see in a lot of these races. I'm sure that that was deliberate, right? It absolutely was. So the idea came to me actually when I was um, talking with local Fairbanks musher, uh, Mike Ellis. He was talking about a race he did uh, back in 2012 called the Top of the World 350. And so they similarly had uh, a a run, an untimed run into the mass start. And he was saying that that race was so awesome because all of the people weren't stressed. They weren't competing with each other. They were just going out, enjoying the beautiful scenery, uh, stopping and chatting around campfires. And this was a really awesome moment for people to talk to each other about dog care and share tips and have moments of mentorship. And so that's what really attracted me to this format is I hope that with just a little bit of extra time and of course um, with the self-supported nature that people will feel more like they're on a coordinated camping trip. And then by the time they get to Minto, they'll be ready to race for real. So what about some of the particulars? How many dogs? Is there a purse? Is Are there uh, sponsors on board? That sort of thing. Absolutely. So we are um, going to release our budget in the next couple of weeks, and we will be looking for corporate as well as personal sponsors. So that is some um, exciting information to come. As for the rules, um, for this year, we are taking 20 mushers. All of the participants must be 18 years or older. There are definitely opportunities for junior mushers to enter the race, but they'll have to enter the 50 or the 110. The 50-mile race is open to 12, 12 years old and older, and the 110 is open to 14 years and older. So I hope that'll be a um, nice opportunity for junior mushers to join the race. Um, as far as registration, we've already had registration and uh, it is a full race. It was a $300 entry fee. Um, and for this year, all of that uh, entry fee money is going to go towards the logistics, the veterinary care and the um, checkpoint supplies. And there is not going to be a monetary prize. Um, we hope this will keep it fun. And we also hope that um, we can put on a really successful and really well supported race um, with this money. There are going to be, of course, uh, donated prizes for many of the positions and we are still looking for donations for those prizes so if you're a fur sewer a knitter a craftsperson um, and you'd like to donate a prize to the t-dog we are uh, happily accepting those right now those prizes are sometimes uh more valuable in in more ways than one than a monetary prize especially those those handmade prizes i'm thinking like beaver mitts and hats and all that stuff some of those are are, are really nice items aren't they Absolutely. And the fact and knowing where they came from, knowing that they were created um, for this event and for this lifestyle is just such a special item to have. I know that my mom received many uh, amazing uh, item prizes throughout her Iditarod career, and I still use a lot of those clothing, clothing items today. It's pretty special. So on on the race itself, you had mentioned at the top that you're going to run on the old mail trail race and astute listeners. We have listeners from all over are familiar with a lot of those names that you named because they're synonymous with the 1925 serum run. And yeah. I think that I think that that is a very cool uh, homage, if you will, to not only that event, but of course, uh, such history is is along that trail with mushing, with, you know, carrying the mail, like you mentioned, carrying supplies, all of that. There's a lot of mushing history in that area, isn't there? 
Absolutely. You know, the um, Minto, the city itself, is so excited about um, the upcoming 100th anniversary of the serum run. Um, there's so much rich history between um, Ninana and Manly Hot Springs um, for being that first leg of the serum run. And so they're really excited about perhaps creating a um, reenactment or just some sort of collaboration with mushers um, to run that route again. And I've been um, chatting with them a little bit about that. Ultimately, um, for my race, the T-Dog, I am hoping um, to make a little figure eight loop that goes from Fairbanks to Ninana to Manly Hot Springs to Eureka to Minto to Old Minto to Ninana and then back into Fairbanks, not repeating any trail. Now, the rub lies in the connection between Eureka and Minto. If you're not looking at a map, this can get a little hairy, but that trail hasn't been used for the past 30 years. And so I've been working wow. with people in the Minto and the Eureka areas to open that back up so that we can revitalize that area with mushers um, that will hopefully use it during the race and possibly use it year round for training or not year round, but winter round for training. And am I correct that uh, in the summer, there is not road access out to Eureka? It goes as far as Manly, right? Um, so Man, you are incorrect. Manly is the end of the road. Um, Eureka is, in, uh, is before Manly. Oh, okay. So there's road access to all of those places, which again makes them really great checkpoints for um, mushing races. You have been involved with mushing since probably the time you were born. Very... Um, Famous parents with, of course, uh, the Butcher and Munson name. Everybody knows those names uh, synonymous with our sport. But I'm sure that uh, jumping into the fire, if you will, in terms of the logistics of planning a race has its ups and downs. Can you share a story or two about some of these challenges that is doing the behind the scenes stuff? You know, it's an entirely different deal when you're planning races versus running races. Tell us a little bit about that. I mean, it's super interesting because there is such a rich history uh, in uh, the Serum Run Trail, in the um, mail trails between Manly and Eureka and um, Minto. But the cool thing about creating a new race is that really it can be what the community wants. So what I've been doing for the past year is just having conversations with mushers, volunteers, veterinarians, anybody that is part of race logistics and seeing what they would do if they were creating a new race. Um, it is challenging because of course you get conflicting opinions and you have to just go back to yourself and be like, what is the mission for this race? My mission for this race is fun first and inspiration to love the lifestyle. So anything that I can do that uh, encourages people to keep plugging away at this lifestyle and to have fun and enjoy being with their dogs is what this race is all about. And so, um, I, I'll have all these wonderful conversations and we brainstorm the craziest, most enthusiastic, exciting races. And then I have to go back home and filter through all of those, those ideas and choose um, the specific ones that are gonna work well for this idea. The other really great thing is because we're creating a new race, um, we kind of have free reign over what trails we wanna use. Um, of course, you have to collaborate with the communities and make sure it's going to be a positive influence on the checkpoints you're going through. Um, but I plan for the next few years uh, to expand this race and maybe go on different routes every year, as long as they're staying within this Tanana Valley area. 
and do the routes that are most successful, most invigorating for the communities and the mushers. So um, you talked about uh, taking ideas from either participants or other people involved with the sport. Do you have an absolutely crazy idea that was thought about, maybe not even implemented, that's sort of in in the uh, in, you know sort of in the in the back mm. pocket, if you will? Probably my craziest idea, which I'm realizing is not going to work, is uh, having my mass start on the Minto Lake. Uh, in talking to the folks out there, that lake gets pretty windblown. Uh, they call it concrete snow. And so having dogs uh, camping out on that concrete snow in the middle of the wind and having uh, the mushers jump out of their sleeping bags wearing no um, no socks and shoes at that in that kind of wind would probably not be the most comfortable thing. So that's an idea where my brain got a little bit of ahead of me before actually uh, looking at the, looking at the logistics and the conditions. Um, and especially if they're going to do, like you said, the, the sourdough start where they're in their sleeping bags and they got to get all that ready to go before they start. I can imagine uh, that, that in itself is, is kind of a harebrained or crazy idea in itself, especially in, in the race format. I really like that. Me too. It's actually something I saw on an old video of my mom, um, running a race called the cold foot classic. They only did it a couple of years. Um, but it, it was out in the Brooks range. And again, it had a, um, it had an untimed run to the restart and all of the mushers uh, were in their sleeping bags. Handlers could help. And, you know, the shotgun goes off and they all jump out of their sleeping bags and have to pack their sled. And everyone was laughing and joking. It was just like such an amazing video to watch. And it really inspired me. So one last question about the race itself. What has been the biggest challenge? You're about three months or so at the time of this recording before it runs. What have you really struggled with? Has it been uh, finding sponsors? Obviously not finding participants since it filled up so fast. <laughs> yes, finding participants has not been an issue. In fact, last year, I um, <laughs> I had not planned to put on a race. I was like, okay, my first race is going to be in 2024. And I guess I had started telling people. And so I started getting all these face messages Facebook messages from mushers saying, hey, I hear you're putting on a race this year in 2023. I want to sign up. And before I had even like officially made the decision to do a race, I had 10 signups. So last year I put on uh, what we called the T-Dog training run that did the 110 loop. And it was such a success. And that was a great way for me to dip my toes in um, before getting started this year. I'd say what I've struggled with the most this year is just making sure I'm doing something that does stand behind my mission statement, but also reflects what the community wants. And in some moments that can be challenging. I'm like, I don't know if I am making the right choice, but I also think doing all of this experimentation and letting it be a race that's in flux um, is going to give me a lot of insight for next year. I know that what is going to be the biggest challenge is um, when I start getting getting my sponsorships next month. There's been a lot of enthusiasm from uh, the community, and I hear a lot of people that would like to help donate to it. But, um, of course, that's talk before I've done the initial asks. So that'll be an interesting journey for me. For sure. So I am really excited about this. Uh, we definitely need more races here in Alaska. Definitely uh, more uh, hubbub, if you will, about our sport. And I think that, that it, this is very important for that, which brings me to my last question. It's the question I ask just about every 
musher that I have on the podcast. And you've been around this sport pretty much your whole life. You've seen a lot of ebbs and flows, if you will. And my question is, where do you see the sport in the next five or 10 years? Maybe not distance mushing like I did a rod or quest or something like that, but mm -hmm. just the sport in general. Yeah. I mean, the sport is so much wider than what we see, which is I did a rod once a year. And I'm really excited to be learning more about non-competitive dog mushers. Um, in Fairbanks alone, you just, you go into the Goldstream Valley and every other house has four or five sled dogs out back, um, that folks love and, uh, go trapping or, uh, trapping within the, uh, winter on the weekends or go take out to cabins. And I just love that lifestyle. And I love that sled dogs are so integrated in our community, especially, uh, in the mushing centric areas of Alaska. And I think that that style of mushing is going to continue to grow. I think people having, you know, between three to 10 sled dogs is going to be a more accessible and affordable number for people. And I think that there are ways to encourage them to keep adventuring um, with races like the T-Dog. Now, I don't actually have like a goal myself or a an idea of what mushing looks like in the next five years. People might think because I'm doing this somewhat different fun first race that I'm really pushing for that to be what mushing is. I think it's going to be, it's an interesting perspective I'm trying to put on the table in order to get feedback. And I think the community itself and the dogs are going to respond uh, to this race. And we're going to be able to learn a lot just from experimentation. And I think that that sort of um, work and idea making is going to help build whatever mushing is going to be in the future. I really like that. When you say experimentation, that's what we need. We need different, uh, different styles, different ideas, different outcomes that, uh, that's truly how I think that the sport will continue to evolve, uh, one way or the other. Before we close, did we cover everything you wanted to cover? Is there anything that we left out? We did not. I did not mention, um, some of the other logistics of the race. For instance, uh, I didn't mention that it's going to be a 10 dog race. So the T-Dog 200 for the mushing only event is going to be 10 dogs maximum. You can um, return a couple dogs with your handler if needed, um, but the minimum you can finish with is six dogs. We're gonna have veterinary care available um, at the checkpoint in Minto and the checkpoint in Ninana. And there is a small list of mandatory gear. Lastly, we're just waiting on some notes from the Iditarod, and we're hoping that this can um, be counted as an Iditarod qualifier race. Wow, that's that's exciting. We definitely need more of those, especially with uh, some races that have canceled, especially down in the lower 48. We just heard about uh, one of the premier races down there. The Bear Grease was uh, canceled because of no snow at all. They don't have any oh, snow. Oh, no. Yeah, so, that's horrible. I know, and that's, that's, that's the big race down there in in the Minnesota area. So that's very impressive if you guys can get the qualifying status. So last thing, how can folks follow you guys? Uh, where are you most active on social? Where can people ask questions? Obviously, obviously the field is full, but I'm sure people would like to follow along. Yeah, so the T-Dog 110 still has many slots. Um, so if you're interested in signing up as a ski drawer, bike drawer, musher, uh, anything, I'd love to see your name pop up on the list. 
First and foremost, we are updating our website. Uh, trailbreakerkennel.com has a page for the T-Dog. Um, T-Dog Fun Run is the name of that page. Then um, we are posting things on Facebook at T-Dog Alaska and on uh, Instagram at T-Dog Alaska as well. So in figuring out what the biggest challenge for this, for me in putting on this race is, um, I think it's something that we haven't gotten to yet. And that's actually going to be race weekend. Last year, when I did the T-Dog training run, I was able to be everywhere. I was able to manage everything myself. But this coming year, I am going to um, have to delegate and have other managers for the different checkpoints and different um, ideas. I'm so lucky to have an amazing group of um, volunteers and folks that have been with me since the beginning. I'm calling them the T-Dog Think Tank. And they're there as sort of a series of checks and balances to make sure this race is founded um, with its intentions. Um, but I'm going to be taking on the rail, the role of trail uh, of race marshal this year. And I think that's going to be challenging. It's a role I've never done. I've never been part of a rules committee. Um, so working up to the race, I'm hoping that I can shadow um, and work with some other races and see how they um, plan and work with the different rule structures they have. I'm planning to go out to the Kuskokwim races um, at the end of January and do some shadowing with their race marshal. There you have it, guys. The uh, brand new and exciting uh, T-Dog race. Looking forward to following this race and we'll definitely promote it over on our podcast feed as well as on mushing.com thank you very much for joining us and we will see you guys next time nobody covers dog sledding like mushing from first paw media our team of athletes volunteers race organizers and mushers like robert and michelle forto brings you closer to the sport if it's happening we are there live from the qualifying races in january and february the iditarod in march and in the summer mushing takes you on the road with our team and trail tour we connect you with a history of this sport in-depth interviews with the top mushers and great storytelling and breaking news all year long follow on mushing.com